Welcome to Midwest Wander. I'm Skip. I'm Connie. In today's podcast episode, we're going to Liberal, Kansas and the Mid-America Air Museum. Connie, why don't you tell us about it? Sure. Let's talk about the beginning of it first because it, it's got an interesting background. The property actually started as the Liberal Army Airfield, which was built in 1942 during World War II. And the purpose of it was to train pilots for B-24 bombers, also known as the B-24 Liberator. And that ran from 1942 to 1945, and during that time they trained something like 5,500 pilots. And it did end up closing down in 1945. The B-24 became obsolete, so it was empty for a while. Then in 1951, Beechcraft came in and set up shop to build aircraft, and that lasted until 1985, so over 30 years. And then the bottom fell out of the general aviation market, and they ended up closing that location. Yeah, Beechcraft did some consolidation at that time. They had various manufacturing facilities across the U.S. Now let's jump over to a man named Colonel Thomas A. Thomas. Colonel Thomas was a World War II flying ace, and after the war he started collecting aircraft. He had a collection of something like 72 aircraft, and he formed a flying museum. He was taking his planes all over the country to air shows. One fun note about him is that on his 65th birthday, he wanted to fly 65 of his planes all in one day. And he did it. He had a team of people helping him. They would get a plane started. He'd fly in one, circle around, bring it back down, jump in the next one. So that was kind of a neat thing. Pretty amazing accomplishment when you think about it. Yeah, he did it in something like eight hours. Then in 1986, during the 40th anniversary reunion of the Liberal Army Airfield veterans, some of the guys came up with the idea of starting an air museum. By now, the city of Liberal owned the buildings, and they were sitting empty, so they had a building they could use, but they had no aircraft. And until now, Colonel Thomas's aircraft collection was sitting out in open fields. So the guys approached Colonel Thomas about starting a museum on the airfield, and he agreed to loan the museum a good portion of his collection, which he later donated to them. I think he kept a few of his favorites, including the kind he flew in the Air Force, P-40s and P-51 Mustangs. Right, and since then the museum has grown to over 100 aircraft, and as of 1997, the city of Liberal actually operates the museum. Now let's talk about the aircraft. I was impressed by the variety, everything from little home-built experimental aircraft, which are my favorites, to large military aircraft. And of course, me being me, I like the ones with the faces on them too. Inside the Air Museum, some things that were significant to me from World War II is the North American B-25 Mitchell, going to Korea, the Bell H-13 Sioux helicopter, and that's one you'll remember seeing in MASH in the opening scene where they're getting the wounded soldiers. Also from the Korean War era, the North American F-86 Sabre. If you see any movies or pictures of Korea-era action, you'll often see that jet. Fast-forwarding the Vietnam War outside, they have a McDonnell F-4D Phantom. And then one I found really, really interesting is an Indian light fighter from the country of India. This was in their Air Force in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. And how small it is. The top of the wing comes up to about midway up on Connie, so you get a real kick out of that. Going back to the Vietnam War era helicopters, the famous Bell UH-1 Iroquois, better known as the Huey, and Connie is piloting a Bell AH-1T Cobra. And again, you can see all these pictures on our website, midwestwanderer.com. And you are going to talk about some of those very interesting experimental aircraft. Yeah, I got a real kick out of the experimental aircraft, and I think you did too. 
there was one area that had some really small aircraft. And I actually had fun reading the stories about some of these planes because they were kind of fun. And here are a few of them. And this area with the really small aircraft, they're so small that I wonder how a pilot can even fit in it. There was one I can't believe somebody would get into it. Well, and the name of it was Tiny. But apparently it wasn't named after its size, but after the plane designer's wife. But the guy who built that plane... Wilbur Stabe, I think that's how it's pronounced, S-T-A-I-B, he competed against designers to create the world's smallest airplane. One of his main rivals for the title was a guy by the name of Ray Stitz. Well, neither of them made the smallest plane, but the title for the smallest monoplane did go to Ray Stitz's son, and the smallest biplane title was designed by Robert Starr, who was Stitz's former partner. And then there's the Bowers Flybaby, which was first flown in 1962. That one was designed by a guy named Peter Bowers. He was a former Army engineer and Boeing employee, and he built the Flybaby for the EAA's first design contest. And the EAA... Experimental Aircraft Association, and they had their fly-in every year in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Right. Well, the contest was supposed to be held in 1960, and Bowers finished the plane in time, but there were only two planes ready to compete, so the contest was delayed two years. So with two years to go, Bowers went back to work on the plane to perfect it. Then, just six months before the contest, the plane crashed in the mountains. Bowers and a few friends scrambled to fix the plane, added a few things, and won the contest. And I don't understand with these experimental aircraft crashing and the people come out unscathed. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But there was one more story and one plane that I thought we both liked. There were three pilots that wanted to build an open structure plane. No cockpit, no cover. And this one was really cool. It was called the RLU-1 Breezy. And you could tell they used a lot of pieces. I mean, I guess upcycled pieces. (laughs) They used like a ship wheel for the control wheel. And seatbelts were taken out of a car. And just a lot of stuff that they found in their junk pile at home, I guess. I don't know. But the RLU-1 Breezy was the most popular home-built design at the 1965 EAA fly-in, again in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And people started requesting plans for the plane. Problem was, they didn't have any plans, because they just kind of put it together as they went along. So the three designers had to actually reverse engineer the plane to make the plans available, and they ended up selling over a 1,000 of those plans. That's amazing. Yeah. So that was kind of a lot of fun. Oh, one of the things to keep in mind when you're on the tarmac where the outdoor aircraft is, that's an active runway. Oh, right. Yeah, we notice. Uh, Is it a runway or a... Oh, it's a... uh, I'm sorry, I said runway. Taxiway. Taxiway. We were watching a United Airlines jet as it was taxiing out and getting ready to take off. So It didn't come right past us, but... Uh, It it didn't come right past us, but it was fairly close. Another interesting aircraft was for people that fly often, and most often you don't get on the ground to actually see the size of this aircraft but there was a or there is a commercial aircraft on the north side of the building three engine aircraft that you can get a feel for how big that plane is because that perspective you don't get when you're inside sitting in your seat it's pretty big we actually end up spending at least a couple hours there if not yeah longer. it's a it's a fun museum it really is and again it's in liberal kansas which is the southwest corner of the state and we recommend it Right off US 54 is the main northeast-southwest highway, and we do highly recommend it. Well, that's all for today's podcast. I'm Skip. I'm Connie. Safe travels. And happy travels.